0: You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Well, hey, I want to share a little bit, oh, man, what God's been putting on my heart. And I, uh, some sermons I write... Um, over a, a period of time and I'm, you know, really in a mode of study. And some sermons I just write like on my face. Um, sometimes I'll just go in my room cause there's really no quiet place in the world usually, <laughs> um, between staff and life and family and a toddler and all these things. So I'll just go into my room and I'll lock the door and I'll just fall on my face before the Lord and just invite him say, God, would, I need you to speak to me. And so I, I want to share with you. You can leave the doors open. It's cool. I want people outside to hear. <laughs> I want to speak to you really what God spoke to me in that moment of just being on my face. And it's interesting because it just applies to, to my life. And, and I believe that God is trying to well something up in the church because I know you might not roll in, in the circles of, of the prophetic. But can I tell you what's been prophesied about this city and this state is amazing and about this church is amazing. And I, and I feel and I sense in my spirit almost like the year hasn't begun because we haven't quite got a hold of it. But once we do, I believe that something special is going to break out for our city and break through through prayer and fasting. Have you guys enjoyed prayer and fasting so far? People are like, I enjoyed. Yeah. (laughs) How many of you, just like a real snap up of your hand and said like, man, I've already seen, you know, some unique things happen because of the Lord in this time of prayer and fasting. Oh, amen. That's awesome. Can we give it up for the Lord for that? That's so good. i'm a, I'm believing for some breakthrough i had a I got a call on my way to this conference from some from the um Ford company telling me that I would have to pay two thousand dollars to fix my car and so i've added to the list a breakthrough. anybody else like still adding to the list you're believing for breakthrough during the fast it's like it's like oh that's that you're thinking that's good for everyone else i'm still waiting, but I just encourage you keep going it's good um in this process uh my wife and I have been uh working through the adoption process and filling out all the applications and going to the meetings because we really feel like God has called us to adopt. And, and I know God has called all believers to care for the widows and orphans, but I feel like he's just put something really special on our heart to adopt. And so in this process of adoption, we, uh, we've been reading this book about trauma. And it's interesting, I don't know if you guys have gone through adoption, and some of you guys are probably like a thousand times more versed than me, so just give me grace because I'm new on the scene. Uh, But we had to read this book uh, about trauma and working with kids with trauma. And we've worked with kids with trauma in a youth setting, but it's different in a home setting. And as I'm reading this book, it just was really hitting me about what happens when, when a child comes into adoption. I want you to follow me here, is that when... When a child is coming out of an adoptive environment, most likely, and again, I'm not, I don't want to go too general. So if you came out of an okay setting, I don't want to hurt you. But there's usually some kind of trauma in their life. In adoption, there's, there's something, there's some kind of trauma that has occurred. And it might be fully on the surface or it might be really under the surface. It might be hidden. It might be unknown. But there's usually some kind of trauma that has occurred. Everyone with me? So I want to paint you a picture, and some of you guys probably know this even better than me, but what, but what happens is this child comes into a healthy home, as healthy as imperfect parents can really be, right? And this child comes in to a healthy home. But the child, even though they're coming into adoption, struggles because they have a broken sense of normal. Follow me. A broken sense of what is a normal life, what is normal family, what is normal love, and so what will happen and what, what we're training through, and, and I've been talking to kids even who have been adopted and who are now adults and talking through this with them is what happens is that there's this coming into this moment and, and a struggle to accept this new family and the love of the new family. And so what often happened is like as a father, I'll try to try to hug the child, but, but this kid will pull away. And it's not necessarily an insult to me as a person, but it's because their sense of intimacy and love ha- has been broken or, or has been hurt. There's times where it talks about trying to give them food, and I, and I talked to somebody who, who said, "Oh yeah, they, my, my, my kid hides food because they're afraid that if they bring it to the table, there won't be enough provision again. They don't trust again. Because they're a survivor. And so all of these things, the, the carefulness, the cautiousness, the, 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 the provision, the taking care of yourself, they're all things, if you went through this process, it's, it made you a survivor. And I praise God that you have survived and that you are here because I rejoice that you're here and God sees you and knows you and loves you. But it made them a survivor. And so what's happened is that life before has given a trauma, And that trauma has produced a broken sense of normal. And so when the kid comes into my house, when 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 this kid comes into our home, we want to love them as loving parents. But there's a broken sense of what life is, of what love is, of what trust is, because it's been abused. Are you with me? You're with me. Good. And so as parents, our, our desire is, I want to establish a new normal for this kid. I want to begin to to teach them this is what love is, and love is good, and love can be trusted, and intimacy is okay, and and provision is good, and I'll provide for you, and you don't have to be afraid. But there's a way and, and a depth of trauma and work that has to be patiently and lovingly walked through. I was talking I, I at the conference I spoke, and a gal came up to me and, and it's it's these conversations I keep having it's amazing and and a, a young woman came up and was talking to Katie and I and talking about her adoption into her family and talking about how she struggled to think that someone could actually love her because she struggled with what love really was because she'd only been she'd only seen love used as a trick, and so she was broken and she came to know the Lord and it, And she struggled with what that meant, because when she came into her family, she thought, they couldn't really love me. They couldn't really accept me like they were saying, nobody's really like that. Nobody really does that. They don't know the real world. They don't know what I've suffered. They don't know what I've gone through. And so then her parents would begin to give her things in her life to try to unlock and to heal the trauma and to move into the future. Because the whole time, the parents are saying, no, there's so much more than the brokenness. There is good intimacy in life. There's good love in life. There's hope in life. There's freedom in life. It's, it's not all as you have been treated. And so they give them tools to try to unlock this, to try to heal it, to try to grow it. Because there's so much more than life than being trapped in the trauma of your past. But that's not easy. Don't hear me sharing and thinking that the parents, that's easy. That's one of the hardest things on the face of the earth. And so the parents begin to work and pray and cry and laugh and work with their child and give them these tools. They they don't love them any less if they don't do them or love them any more if they do them. It's for the child to unlock these things. Because when the child finally realizes that they are adopted into the family and fully loved and fully accepted, that nothing that they do can scare away these parents, they can push away this father, that that the father wants to love them and hold them and hug them, him and protect his daughter and protect his son. And though they've been mistreated by by what's been a a twisting and distortion of love, now they want to love. If they could get a hold of that, they could live the fullness of life. And we root for that kid. Some of you, you've been that kid. Some of you, you have that kid. But we root for them, right? We want that. We don't want anybody to be a statistic. We want you to be a victory. And so we root for that. And just like, follow me, just like in an earthly family, we are all adopted into God's family. See, we come into church and we worry about how we look, but I'm just going to lay it down for everybody. You're all trauma kids. I'm a kid with trauma. We all are. Now, some of us greater, some of us lesser in a sense, but everybody in one sense has suffered a trauma. And so here's what happens when we come into the family of God, we struggle for the same reasons. But I want to read you a scripture today because I believe if we could get a hold of our adoption into Christ, of what it means to be really adopted in as sons and daughters, it would release something in our relationship with him. And we would discover a love and a power and an intimacy and a beauty like we've never known before. And let me tell you, when you discover that, it's going to inform all of your life. It's going to inform the totality of your being if you could get a hold of it. I'm going to open up our Bibles. If you brought your Bibles, it's Galatians three twenty six through 29. And then we're just going to keep rolling. So if you brought your Bibles, open it up. If not, it's going to be on the screen. But I want to read you some scripture about what Christ is what the Lord says about you. It says, "For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, there is no male and female for all for all uh, for you are all one." There we go. In Christ Jesus. And if you're and if you're Christ, then you are Abram's offspring, heirs, according to the promise. And I'll explain what I'm about to read in just a second. It says this, verse four, or chapter 4, verse 1. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. I'll explain that in just a second. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons or daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son, Jesus Christ, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. See, God has adopted you. Did you know that? Some of you, maybe you had parents. Some of you, maybe you had no parents. Some of you, maybe uh, you, you you had parents, but it was a horrific experience with parents. Some of you had great parents. That's a unity of believers. We're all here together, and grace is with everyone. But God has adopted all believers into his family. And yet when we come into this family, just as the child that, that we're praying and, and, and praying into our family, we come in with trauma. We come in with a struggle for intimacy because intimacy has been used against us and we've been hurt by intimacy. Has anyone ever been hurt by intimacy? Be vulnerable and say, amen. Yeah. Yeah. I think almost every person has some to incredible degrees you've been hurt by fake Intimacy. And so we we push away because we're not used to trusting people. And we learned that at a young age to not trust and to be untrust. And so we push away. But God is trustworthy and he's bringing us into his family. But we push away from him because we feel so weird about the intimacy because we've been in self-preservation mode for so long in our souls. We struggle with provision because we've always had to take care of us. And so we would never bring it to the table because we're afraid of God. If I bring it to the table, there's not going to be anything left. And I'll go hungry. See, we're, we're the same. See, we struggle with our own value because maybe the world has devalued us or, or we've devalued us. And when we read things like in John 17, Jesus, did you know he literally prays for you? Jesus prayed for you. He prayed for all believers, and he says, God, help them to know that you love them as much as you love me. We're like, mm, 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 mm. Like, there is no way that God loves me as much as he loves Jesus, who, spoiler alert, is God. There is no way God loves me more than God or as much as God. There's just no way we struggle with our value because we have a broken sense of normal. And, and I think that, that if we could get a hold of the new normal, we would see so much beauty in life. We would see so much power in life. We would see the Holy Spirit released. We would see revival. But the foundation of this this revival that we're believing in, this feeling and this moving of God is based on. All evangelism is doing is sharing what God has done and what has he done. He's brought you in as his family. And what's cool is in this fast, God has given us tools for breakthrough. Someone asked me the, uh, the other week, do I, do I have to fast? I said, no. Just like, of course you don't. Like, I don't think it's conditional on your salvation. Of course not. We're given prayer, fasting, and giving. We're given those things just like as a loving father, I'm going to give my child tools for breakthrough. Because I need to reestablish what they believe is normal. Because they've accepted such a broken sense of normal. And I want to reestablish. And they don't have to use those tools. It's not going to make me love them more or less. But can I tell you, if they would do these things, they would see breakthrough. And that's why God's given it. No, you don't have to do it. You can keep your trauma. That's fine. But you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the extravagance of God's love. And you might kind of know him, but there's so much more of him. And he's not sitting there like a judgmental father, like, yeah, well, when they tithe, finally I'll bless him and they can get their act together. He's not sitting there like that. He's down in the mud with you on his knees, looking you in the face and saying, man, I've given this for you because I don't want you hiding in your room away from the world. I want you in the fullness of my love. I want to embrace you. So I've given you these things to bring you out of the darkness and into the light. That's our God. I love that I serve a God who kneels down and touches mud because sometimes that's how I feel. I think that God wants to bring a new normal to the church. I think he wants to change it. I think he wants to shift it. I think he wants in you to, to stir up a fire in your heart that isn't afraid to share the gospel with other people, that isn't afraid to to be full of the Holy Spirit, and allow the Holy Spirit to manifest, but walks in it. He wants to stir up a new normal in your life. Because when we step into the fullness of our adoption and our status as adopted sons and daughters, and we begin to really see ourselves that way, there was more love, there was more peace, there was more comfort, there was more power, there was more freedom, there was more deliverance. When we begin to say, oh my gosh, this i mean it's like it's mind-blowing i can't i can't believe that and what's cool is as we begin to give our hearts to jesus and we begin to follow him he promises ways he promises us specific things about our status and about our position and about our relationship and i want to give you those this morning you still with me so as you press into Jesus, and we're going to be in the Scripture today in uh, Galatians four, starting in one. But as you press into Jesus, as you press into Him, as you say, "God, I'm living for You. I'm giving You my heart. I'm pursuing You with my life." Here's what He promises to you, and it's amazing. It is un, it's unbelievable. Without the extravagant love of God, the very first thing He promises is that we're set free from slavery. Man, some of you just need to hear that today. You're set free from slavery through Jesus Christ. And I know when I say that, it doesn't resonate because you see yourself as a forever something, but you're set free through Jesus Christ. There is freedom. See, you and I, we were slaves to sin, and Christ, through Christ Jesus, set us free. Right, in Galatians 4, this is the scripture we're in right now. It says, verse 1. The heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world want to open this up. See, child here, when he's talking about that we were children, he's it, child in as a Roman, Paul was a Roman citizen. He lived under Roman rule. He lived with Roman thought. In, in that culture, child wasn't a specific age. It just meant you have not gone, th- gone through the process of becoming an official adult. So the Romans, they had a coming-of-age experience or festival where where a boy would now, or even a girl would become a woman, a boy would become a man. There was like a very clear moment or experience, and the person was essentially a child until the father initiated their step into adulthood, right? Verse 2 says, "'Until the time set by his father.'" See, Roman uh, children, they became adults usually at a festival. It's called the Liberalia Festival. And they weren't fully adopted or acknowledged as sons and heirs until they went through this festival. And up until that moment, a slave in the house, like a high-ranking slave who, who had authority and would command things and things going on in the house, could like, tell them what to do. So they were a child. But a slave still had more power than them. Are you still with me? So they would step into this moment where they would become an adult. And that's what he's talking about. It's this clear moment of stepping out of, yes, you, you were created as an heir, but you didn't have the rights. You didn't have the authority yet. And it says in the scripture, not only were we a child, we're a, child to, we're a slave to elementary principles. Does anyone ever, anyone ever read something in the Bible and you're like, I'm just going to keep going because that was a little weird, Right? <laughs> Elementary principles. What does that mean? Like the, what does that mean, elementary principles? It's actually, it's actually kind of more obvious than we would think is that this was a word uh, called stoichia, and I'm butchering that, but it's close enough. It means the line of things. Literally, you could have a line of soldiers. You could have, it, it was the ordering of things. It, it grew to mean the ABCs of the universe. Let me translate it another way. Cause and effect. Karma. This is the idea. He's saying you used to be a slave to the idea of karma. What's the idea of karma? You get what you deserve. And you used to be a slave to the idea that you get what you deserve. Which, you know, a good hour and a half in the world would teach you. A lot of times people don't get what they deserve. But... (laughs) We were a slave to the idea you get what you deserve. And and so Paul's trying to tell them you need to get beyond this idea that you're getting in life what you deserve. Because God deals with us based on his love, not what we deserve. And we're a slave to the idea that his love truly couldn't be a gift of freedom because, well, how could we ever deserve that? And he's saying, I'm just, the grace of God just flies in the face of karma. And says, you don't get what you deserve. I'm giving you my grace. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, for it is by grace that you've been saved, not uh, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so no one can boast. Right? And, And this should be comforting to you this morning. Because as a believer, that means your good cannot justify you. But it also means your bad cannot condemn you. So praise the Lord for that this morning. <laughs> like, like your good deeds cannot justify you and make it for you, but your bad deeds also cannot condemn you. It's all about the grace of God. It's all about the grace of God. And so Paul's saying, you got to break the idea of get what you deserve because Romans 8, 1, there was no condemnation for those who were in Christ Jesus. got to break this idea. And he calls them elementary principles because I think we, we, we struggle to break free from this idea of what we deserve. That's an elementary basic principle for us. In the ordering of the universe, we believe that we get what we deserve. And like a a traumatized child, we have broken our normal to believe that we've received a portion of the kingdom that is based upon our works or our acts or our religious pedigree or the things we've gone before, how someone's treated us, or how much of the Bible you know. But that's not true. Karma is not a thing. Grace, 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 God's grace, undeserved grace is what He's given us. Say, God, I deserve to pay for my sins, but you've given me freedom. And when I give my life to you, I walk in that freedom. I'm no longer a slave, I'm set free from slavery. In the Galatians passage we're reading, if you jump back there real quick, in verse 4 it says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. See, Jesus came with his redemption. And you know what he did? He bought you from the slave market of your sin. He bought you. He found you locked and chained in the slave market of your sin and he paid for your life with the life of his son and he bought you and he freed you and he released you and he brought you up and out of it and there is always freedom in Christ Jesus. Always freedom. There is free and if we got a hold of what it meant to really be a son of God, I think we would live with more freedom and not give the enemy so much credit with his slavery that we allow him to put on our life, we would live in more freedom, more power, more authority of Jesus Christ. The second thing that happens is we are adopted as sons or insert daughters, for all the gals out there, sons or daughters in God's family. I know, I know we get these Christian things and we love them and they're, and they're really cute and adorable, but you've got to know that this is a huge deal. This is a huge deal. Because I think if we were honest with ourselves, we'd say it would be enough just to save us and to spare us from the dead of our sins. Like that would be enough. Like that in itself, we're like, oh, thank you. Right? Like now, I, I might be your slave now. Like, I, I'm just, I just, I don't want to be a slave to sin. Like, right? it would be enough just to save us. If you found someone drowning, if you let's say you were drowning in the ocean. And someone reached down and they saved you and they lifted you up. You had no power on your own to, to be saved, but they saved you and lifted you up. And you were like, oh my gosh, you were, you were going to die because of the choices that you made and where you went and what you did. You That was leading to death, but someone saved you. And then they were like, hey, also, I'm going to adopt you into my family. You'd be like, what? That is excessive. <laughs> like, it's fine. We're good. <laughs> we're fine. But that's what God has done for you. Can I tell you, God's love for you is extravagant. It is over the top. It is unimaginable. And sometimes it's almost unbearable because it's like, why are you just be not good for a second? So it starts, stops the stark contrast to how not good I am. But God, you're so good. And he elevates us to the position of sons. And, and this is the exciting but tragic thing. Is in Acts 17, it says that we are all God's offspring. And yet, for many of us, we will not accept the intimate relationship of adoption into God's family. We'll still miss it. You're still made in his image. You're still his offspring, but we'll miss it because we haven't allowed ourselves to realize and to accept that we are adopted in as sons of God because our broken sense of normal says it's not possible. It's not possible. It's not, have you seen you? Have you seen your sin? It's not possible. Maybe if you get it together, then it'll be possible. You'll be a good candidate in the orphanage of Christianity. But that's not how it works. God has adopted you in. He's brought you in. It was interesting when I was talking to this gal at the Young adults Retreat and Katie and I were ministering to her. She said, I feared that when I was adopted in, and she was adopted at a later age, I think she was, she was like 13 or 14, she'd gone from home to home to home, and all kind of, her story is tragic, and we'd have an hour, and man, that's hers to tell anyways, that's her testimony, that's her triumph, but she said, I struggled when I got into this home that they love me because I, I thought, man, you know, you don't, you, you say that. But someday I'm going to do something that's bad enough, un- unintentionally. She wasn't trying to. I'm going to make a big enough mistake and your true colors are going to show. And then we're, you're, we're really going to see that I'm not actually your daughter. Because there's a fear that if God really saw me as I am, he wouldn't accept me as I am. He wouldn't love me. He wouldn't wrap me in his arms. That someday I'm going to, I'm going to do something or I've done something in my past that's, that's so much just pushing him away. It's just going to push him back. And then I'm going to see his his true colors, the true colors of God, how he really is, because how could he honestly accept me as his son? I mean, I get as a slave, but a son? (sighs) A daughter? I, I don't know. But see, God doesn't see us in this way. He doesn't see you in this way. He sees you as his daughter. He sees you as his son. See, when Paul is talking about adoption here, He's talking about sonship, and and at this time, sons and inheritance and daughters and relatives, all these things were important. The family was the epicenter of community, and a full son had position and power and authority and access. And it was the Roman custom, and, and, and I love this because this is what Paul is meaning when he's saying this. It was the Roman custom that when you were adopted in as a son or daughter, you were given equal, here two words with me, rights and authority as the blood relatives. Who is the blood relative of God? Who's the, who's the blood relative of God? <laughs>
1: Jesus.
0: Jesus. Jesus. All right, we got there. sorry no it's good that was close we're almost there i'm gonna make one jump and then we're there everyone chime in at that moment we've got it we'll back up the tape no (laughs) it's jesus so when you're adopted in as a son and daughter you're you're not blood but by the blood and now you are in adoption you have the rights and authority with jesus christ What, what kind of stuff did jesus do he healed people push the devil away with scripture from temptation? I mean, come on. It's amazing to begin to think, of, this is what Paul's meaning. This is the extravagant love of God. Not that he just bought us, not that he paid for us with the blood of his son, but that he brought us in and made us a son and daughter, giving us the full rights and status as sons and daughters of God on earth and eternity. And We still see ourselves way down here, but he's saying, no, 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 no. I've elevated you. I've lifted you. If you live this, you'd live in the freedom. Because it's a sonship of celebration. I love what uh, verse 6 says. It says, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son, meaning the Holy Spirit, into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, an heir through God. See, since you have the spirit of his son, meaning the Holy Spirit, It gives us, as it says, the right and ability to cry out Abba Father. That's interesting, Abba Father. Why is that a big deal? We don't use that except for that band, and then they keep making those horrible musicals based off it. People are like, what? It's Mamma Mia, guys. Come on, you're not relevant with musicals in the 21st century? Come on. I've definitely seen those movies on the TV. I don't know. But Abba Father is an interesting phrase because people at the time would never have seen their God as Abba Father. Because what does Abba Father mean? What does Abba mean? It means daddy. It means like my daughter Lucy calls me Papa. That's what it means. There's an intimacy. There's a love. It's an intimate access to God. See, if that intimacy makes you uncomfortable, that's okay. Because I think in our world we have a broken sense of intimacy. To be honest, I'm not super comfortable saying the word "daddy," like overall, it's it's weird. That's the part of me that's that's kind of like ah, I prefer "papa." Somehow that works for me. Somehow better. <laughs> But it's because, to be honest, even as men, we have a broken sense of intimacy and what intimacy is allowed and what is not allowed. And there's some invisible male force in the the stratosphere that dictates how intimate and and emotional and connected to things you're allowed to be. And yet, when I'm with my daughter, I could care less this invisible council of men that decides intimacy. And I just love her. I'm like mush. I don't even care. Everyone else can just deal because there's an intimacy in that moment. And that's the intimacy that God desires. And, and, and again, I know that this might jump over us, but this means when you cry out to God, not just whisper out to God, cry out to God as a son or daughter to their parent. Maybe you've never had this parent, that he hears you and he listens. You know, one of the saddest things, I don't know if you've ever been to an orphanage or, or read about orphanages, is um, orphanages are really quiet. Why are they quiet? Because babies learn in an orphanage that if they cry, no one comes. So they stop crying because no one's coming. So Paul looks at us, the orphans, and he says, I know that you don't know how to cry, I know that you don't have intimacy, I know that you struggle but I'm a loving father and I've come in to the orphanage of your sin and I've picked you up and I've held you and I've loved you and I desire to be with you. And so you can cry out to me anytime because before you didn't cry out because no one came, but now I'm here and I hear you and I love you. Are you with me this morning? Because that changes the way we cry out to God. That changes the way we cry to him, not as abandoned orphans, not, not, not as people who feel forgotten, not as people who are lost, not people who are trapped, but those who have a loving father that when they cry, he comes to them. Have you ever cried to God and he came to you? Come on, have you ever cried to God and he came to you? Build some faith in the church because he does that. That's what he does. And so we're given this call and this sonship of celebration and we're given this intimacy and we cry to God, and he comes, and he comes to us. I'm going to pull up this page. So, what happens when you print your sermon on cardstock. I think that's beautiful. Can I be honest? I think that's beautiful, that opportunity to be adopted. And the third thing is, become heirs to God. That's the third thing. I'm going to invite the band up this morning. Scripture says that you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. An heir to God. I I, I give you a second to hear that because I think it's important. You're an heir to God. You're an heir to the Lord. What, What does that mean? It means you have an inheritance. See, heirs have an inheritance. So not only did God free you, not only did he adopt you as a son, but it says it as says he gave you his spirit as confirmation of this. See, this is why we're excited. It's because God gave you his spirit to confirm what he did. He sent the spirit of the son into our hearts. Romans 8.15 says, The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. And now if we're children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may share in his glory. See, God wants to show you that he's trustworthy. God wants to show you that he's trustworthy because he knows that people have, been, have proven to you that they are not trustworthy. And so what does he send? He sends this beautiful inheritance of the kingdom and that's him and that's his spirit. I love this quote. It says, God's purpose was not only to secure our sonship by his son, but to assure it by his spirit. He sent us his son so that we may have the status of sonship. And he sent his spirit that we may have the experience of it see the trauma in our life it it struggles for us to begin to see these steps because they're so big and because they're so mighty and we think of ourselves as so small and so unworthy and so confused and we've kind of like just reduced the gospel into like a self-help seminar but can i tell you that you are an heir to to god you are according to romans a co-heir with christ you didn't think you had anything in common with jesus surprise your brothers you are co-heirs with Christ, which means you have an inheritance. You have an inheritance on this earth. You have inheritance in this world. You have an inheritance as a child of God. And I think what's happened in the church is that in our own lives, we don't accept that we are heirs to Christ, that he loved us so much that he saved us. And then he didn't just save us, he elevated us. And he didn't just elevate us, he gave us his spirit. And at this point, we're like, oh, my goodness, this is out of control. This is the relentless love, the reckless love we talk about. It's just over the top. Because not only did he make us sons, but he could have just put us back in the line of inheritance. They're like, oh yeah, but you know, you just be happy you're even in the door. Like that's why we have gates on this place. <laughs> like just be happy you made it, right? <laughs> but no, he says you have an inheritance. And he gave you the spirit of God to live out the inheritance of the kingdom on earth and the kingdom forever. Can I tell you, can you even begin to imagine the freedom of a life where you no longer see yourself in the picture that the lies of the enemy has spoken, but in the truth that God has bought and paid for and proclaimed for you? Come on, begin to see that in this moment. Begin to see. See, you got the trauma that wants to reject the intimacy, that wants to reject the sonship, that wants to reject these things because you've been hurt, and I get it. And I'll go even farther to say, I don't get it because I don't know all your stories and they're so far beyond me and you share with me and I'm just happy you even found Jesus. I'm so stoked because you're a survivor and he wanted something good for you. So he didn't let you go and he chased after you and you're here. But we reject it, we push it away. And God just wants to come down, like I said, and wrap us up, begin to say, man, if you could get a hold of this love and the beauty of this relationship, you would receive the power. You would receive the life. You would receive the freedom. Everything would change for you. But it's got to change here, and it's got to change here before it can change out there. Because I could preach to you a sermon about evangelism, and I believe it's important because I believe the church sucks at it. But that's not gonna do anything out there if it's not doing something in here. Because evangelism isn't, you gotta go to church with me, you gotta follow these rules with me, you gotta do these things with me, you gotta fast with me. Evangelism is, man, let me tell you about my father. Evangelism is, let me tell you about when I was a slave. Evangelism is, let me tell you about when I was broken. Evangelism is, let me tell you about how there's more. Let me invite you into my father's house. Let me invite you into hope. Let me invite you into freedom. That doesn't require any answer. A child can invite another child over to their family's house. Oh, yeah, they're celebrating. Amen. (laughs) But there's there's a victory. There's a joy in knowing God, and there's something special about it. And can I tell you, when you begin to see yourself as the son or daughter of God, it will change everything for you. They're going to have to pull you away from people, from telling them about Jesus. Why? Because you finally realize in your heart of hearts, there's nothing greater than the intimate relationship with God. They're going to have to tell you like, hey man, why don't you give up the fast for a little bit because you've been fasting a bunch. And you'll be like, no, I'm not doing this to prove anything. I'm doing this because God gave me tools for breakthrough and I'm getting through my trauma and I'm stepping into the future of my life. They're going to have to tell you, like, man, why do you give so much? Like, is your pastor trying to get rich? And then we'll all show him my broken down car together and say, no. (laughs) No, it's not. We'll say, no, I'm doing this because I believe that when I get a hold in my heart of what God made me to be, and I begin to worship Him with my life, I step into a freedom and a power and an authority like I've never seen before. See, you think you have normal, but you got broken normal, and God wants to give you full normal. Broken normal is going through life in the pain and suffering alone. New, good, full normal through Jesus Christ is laying hands and healing. That's normal in Jesus. Freedom from addiction, that comes through the Holy Spirit. That's God's normal. Raising from the dead, that's God's normal. Hear me, church. We've accepted such a low, broken sense of normal. Raising from the dead is normal in the kingdom. Or you're like, no, it's not. Okay. I'm going to say it over here in the New King James. Thou shalt raise from the dead is normal in thy kingdom. Amen? The older congregation felt that one. Good. (laughs) And I'm not saying if you don't fast, there's no condemnation in God. So remember this. If you don't fast, if you don't pray, if you don't get, that that you're not living a full life. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, man, if you could get a hold of who God says you are and the fullness of your adoption, if you could say, God, would you take this brokenness in my heart? I give it to you. I lay it to you. I need breakthrough in my heart. I desire breakthrough right here in this place. I want to live as the full son. Then you can stop stressing about, about how am I supposed to tell people about Jesus? I didn't read my Bible enough this week. You can stop stressing about all the structure and you can just step in as a child and just be a child of God and receive all the power, all the freedom, all the intimacy, all the love, all the relationship that it comes through, all the joy. Hear me, all the joy. Come on, hear me, all the joy. You can step into it when you begin to see... I am a son and daughter of God. That moment, just like every kid has who comes into an adoptive home where they have to say at some moment, am I just here because they picked me and I don't know, or am I their son? Am I their daughter? Will they protect me? Will they love me? Will they never leave me? God will never leave you or forsake you. Would you stand with me this morning? Here's what I want to do. I love this song. It says, Great Are You, Lord. And it says, You bring life, you bring love, you bring light to the darkness. It declares the thing about God. And here's what I want to do this morning, just for, just for five minutes here, is I want to give you a moment to just worship the Lord. And in this worshipful moment, as the band plays, here's all I, here's all I want you to do. There's no special bow that I'm going to tie on this. I'm going to leave it open for you. That I just want you to press into God. I want you to say, maybe some of you to say, God, I I give you my heart. Would you heal this trauma? Would you help me realize that I'm fully your son, fully your daughter? Maybe for the first time you've never said that. God, I want to be fully your son. I want to be fully your daughter. So if there's any lie of the enemy, if there's any trauma, if there's anything in my heart, God, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but right now, I'm just going to give it to you, and I'm going to pray, God, would you come? And can I tell you, when the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit resides upon you, He comes with comfort, He comes with power, He comes with the gifts, He comes with truth. Man, God wants a church that's prophesying. God wants a church that's speaking in tongues. God wants a church that has words of wisdom. God wants a church that, that's laying hands on and healing. He, I, I believe he wants all those things for Banner Church, and I believe we're going to see him. But can I tell you, it starts right here, right here in our heart, to say, God, I give it to you. Now remind me of how special I am to you, how valued I am to you. And God, fill me with some power this morning. Because I want to walk in the authority and the rights as your son or daughter. I want to walk in that. I don't want to be subject to the enemy. I want to walk in that. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Before we worship together, I'm going to just do one simple invitation for raising hands. And it's this. If you've never said before, Jesus... I give you my life, I choose to follow you. I wanna walk in the intimate relationship and the fullness of your love. I choose today to follow you, to give you my heart. If you've never made that decision and this morning, you feel like the Lord is pulling on that or maybe you've made that decision but you weren't sure and so this morning, you're just gonna step back in and say, God, I I give you my heart this morning, all of my heart and I choose to follow you from this moment forward. I don't got all the answers, I don't know the solutions but i know that i want to be your son i don't want to be back in the slave market of my sin i want to be your son i want to be your daughter i want to walk with you god i give you my heart this morning if that's you every eye closed every head bowed would you just lift your hand this morning lift your hand up just all the way up every eyes closed you don't got me nervous you don't got an elbow band to show jesus right here if you bump your neighbor they better forgive you or we'll kick them out together all right now I'm just going to pray for you, everyone whose hands is, hand is raised right now. And I'm going to pray for you, and I want you to pray in agreement with me this morning. And as you do that, there's no special words of salvation, but it's your heart right now that you're surrendering to him. So I'm going to pray for you this morning. Just keep that hand up. If it gets weary, put the other one up. God, I pray over these hands raised this morning who are saying, Jesus, I give my heart to you. I give it fully to you. And God, I pray right now, would you meet them? God, we repent of all of our sin, and we lay it at your feet, and we say, God, I turn from that, and I press into you, and I say, I need a Savior. I need you, Jesus, and so I choose now to follow you with my life. I know it's a journey, but today marks a monument of saying, I choose to follow you with my life, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're going to do this. I'm going to invite the band to play. And as they do, I I really believe the Lord spoke to me as I was praying that there's some trauma in the hearts this morning. And so you struggle to step into the intimacy and fullness of God. So here's what I want to do. I just want to worship. I just want to worship God as we sing. And as we do that, I'm going to invite you to just talk with God. Just talk with him. Praise, sing, whatever. But talk with him and begin to say, God, I give you my heart. I give this to you. You feel this. Whatever that is in your life, just give it to him. Surrender it to him. And allow him to minister to your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to your heart. Let's worship together.